It's Tuesday, August 27th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and I am joined in studio by Motley Fool analyst Andy Cross and Jason Moser. Gentlemen, welcome. How are we feeling? I'm feeling great, but I tell you, I look at you, Mac, and you look rested. You look, you look fresh. Great, you look man. recharged. I don't know that I feel as great as you. Yeah, do. your time away was good for you, Mac. Yeah. Oh, thank you, thank you. I, you know, little little time at the beach. Yeah, nice. Um, the good news is that Chris Hill getting some much deserved R and R, and he will be back in the saddle next week. So if you can just hang in there for this week. You know, and it's a free show. Remember that. <laughs> yeah. Chris will be back in action next week. But guys, lots to talk about. Papa John's getting a new CEO and Costco opening their first store in China. Spoiler alert, it was well received. Maybe a little too well received. <laughs> yeah. Apparently so. We'll get to that. But let's begin with Johnson and Johnson. An Oklahoma judge has ordered J and J to pay five hundred and seventy-two million for its role in the state's opioid crisis. Now, Johnson and Johnson argued that its marketing and sales activities um, were lawful, and that it was not at fault for the crisis. But Jason, the judge in the court, obviously disagreeing. J and J will appeal the ruling. Now, the interesting thing here: shares of J and J up today around two percent. And that may be related to the fact that Oklahoma had sought more than $17 billion in damages. So, relatively speaking, could have been worse. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I think that's that's really the takeaway here. The market's reaction makes a lot of sense, because you do have closure, at least there is some certainty now, and $572 million is a whole heck of a lot less than $17 billion. <laughs> So, I've um, heard. So, it puts things into perspective for Johnson & Johnson. And Johnson and Johnson, as a business, pulled in around nineteen billion dollars in free cash flow over the last twelve months, on eighty-one billion dollars in sales. So clearly, these guys are going to be just fine. Um, but Mac, you know, listen, I've got an opinion regarding this. I want to call BS where BS needs to be called. Okay. And to me, and I appreciate, I'm not sitting here saying that the opioid crisis is something that you don't assign blame. To just one entity with this. My problem is the more and more I research this, where was the FDA in all of this? Because to me, like the FDA is the ultimate check, right? I mean, that's the organization where the buck really should be stopping. And if you do a little research into this, and everything that's been going on with the opioid crisis and in OxyContin and sort of where things started back, and I think it was like 1995. I mean, clearly, Big Pharma was complicit in really trying to push the FDA to uh, take some more lenient types of, of approaches to marketing and whatnot. But the fact is, the FDA folded. The FDA basically buckled and said, okay, yeah, sure, do whatever. And they did it basically with, with no backing from science whatsoever. And so, you saw this period of time where a lot of these uh, opioids, the, these big pharma companies were able to market them in such a way that they made it seem as if they were appropriate treatment for more conditions for longer periods of time, when really that wasn't the case. I mean, science clearly tells us that, that some of these drugs are extremely addictive and can ruin people's lives. Um, and so, I, you know, I go back to, I mean, I appreciate the fact that Oklahoma is trying to hold Big Pharma accountable. I think Big Pharma should be held accountable. I also very much believe that the FDA should be held accountable here, too. And I don't know that they necessarily are being thrown in the spotlight in the same way. Um, you know, when I think about it from just the perspective as a parent, I mean, let's make this relatable. This is like when you're a parent and your kid is lobbying you to tack on a bear claw 
to the frozen mint chocolate chip coffee culotta that you're getting in the Dunkin' Donuts, right? I mean, it doesn't mean you have to do it. You're the check, right? You're the one that says, no, maybe that's a little bit too much. Uh, you know, maybe it's an unpopular decision. You have to say no, but I feel like the FDA should should have should have been a little bit more firm here years ago and said, you know what, no, let's wait and maybe have some science on our side before we start making uh, some of these decisions. I confess, I didn't really follow you after you said bear call. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a there are a lot of players. This is a crisis that I mean, almost half a billion people or half a million people over the last um, couple decades have suffered um, deaths from the opioid crisis. And um, what Johnson Johnson is saying specifically to this case is that they only represented one percent of the opioids sold in Oklahoma. So it's unfair for them to get. To get tacked on with this um, with this ruling, from the shareholder perspective of Johnson Johnson, of which I am, uh, as Jason said, I mean this is for for them. Analysts were actually hoping for less than one billion dollars, which is in a, in a, in the ruling Mac, which is one reason why the stock I think is up today, even though the Oklahoma was looking for seventeen. More than 17 billion analysts are probably expecting less than a billion or so. So I think the market's reacting positively to that. They have some closure. It is still tied up into the courts. This will not be the first one from a state. Oklahoma was the first. This will obviously now start to set open um, other potential cases um, for this. So so uh, there's a little precedent set here, at least for now. Um, but from Johnson and Johnson, you have this company. It's 337 billion dollars in market cap. It yields more than three percent. I mean, there are not. I mean, the S, the ten year now is at one and a half, so it's more than double the ten year bond yield. And so investors looking at this saying, "Hey, I still have a fairly stable dividend payer. Um, it's a large company. It's not going to light the world on fire from capital appreciation perspective." But now you have this kind of at least for right now a little bit behind them, and they can get on to running the business. And as Jason said, they generate substantial cash flows that they're going to continue to invest into their business. But this. This will now be open for more interpretations by more courts and more states, and I doubt Oklahoma will be the first. Okay, so I want to push back on the stock a bit because you mentioned you're a shareholder. Yeah. You look at J and J over the last five years, stock up somewhere in the neighborhood of 22%. The market, the S and P, up almost double that. Around, yeah, yeah. Around 42%. Yeah. When I look at these incredibly diversified conglomerates like J and J, there's a point where I just say, why not just own an index fund instead. Yeah, well, I mean, we've had that conversation before, and I think it's a fair question. Um, I mean, J and J is one I don't own personally, but have recommended, and I recommended more on the potential for the future. And I, I don't know that a lot of people really think about some of the bets that J and J is placing today uh, in regard to the future of medicine. And I'm talking about. Uh, things like robotic surgery. They have a wing of the business called Ethicon, and um, uh, the the founder of Intuitive Surgical has played a big role in helping Johnson and Johnson build out that part of the business. So I, I think it's exciting when you look at all of the resources a company like that has at its disposal, and leadership that is starting to look forward into how technology can really change the healthcare space. Um, it, it is. A bit frustrating, perhaps, the way the stock has performed in the past. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be that way in the future. Um, and, and you know, I mean, Andy may think made a great point there in that, yeah, it's not going to light a, like the world on fire from a capital appreciation perspective. But but really, I mean, investing, good investing is about making sure you have 
a nice diversified portfolio. And I think J&J can be a great sort of healthcare stalwart that, again, not going to light the world on fire, but going to be very reliable. Um, you know, they're going to get past situations like this. It's going to make them better, um, and, and they'll continue to invest in, in in new parts of the business going forward. Yeah, the only reason I think, really, Jason's great point about some of their investments and innovations, but really, it's a, it's it's the dividend play that you're going to get a substantial yield that's 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 <coughs> much higher than at least um, uh, the the ten year. But even when you look at bond funds, it basically is yielding about bond funds, and then you have the potential for capital appreciation. So, I think that is really the investment case for Johnson Johnson. Johnson, they make the innovations is probably one of the, as Jason said, the probably the best stalwart healthcare company out there in my mind. Um, but yeah, it's not it's not going to be one of these ones that is going to um, completely change your portfolio. It's going to be a much more stable player. Well, fifty seven consecutive years, they just raised their dividend for the fifty yep. seventh consecutive year. So I mean, there are a lot of folks out there that are looking for that yep. kind of of reliability for their portfolio. And, and as you get older and you get into that sort of the the protect your wealth phase of your life, I mean, this is a great um, this is a great one to look at from that income perspective. Okay, well, let's move on to Costco. Costco meet China. China meet Costco. (laughs) The first Costco in China opened in the suburbs of Shanghai. And let's just say that, well, things went well, maybe too well. Costco had to close early because of the crowds. And signs outside warned incoming shoppers that they may have to wait up to three hours to park. (laughs) Shanghai, to quote from the movie Casablanca, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. <laughs> it's a great start. Now they've they've uh, they have not Costco has not had a physical presence in China, but they've been they've been um, working this and through an e-commerce site and thinking about this over the last few years. Um, so it's a great start. I mean, it's a <clears throat> clearly China is a, a massive market for. Um, a consumer market and a middle class that is rising and continuing to spend more and more money. Um, very well received from the news reports that we're that we're hearing. Um, if you if you live in China or you are visiting China or Shanghai and you want to stop by the China uh, Costco, love to hear some insights to us. Like let us know what you think. Uh, but clearly, some some well re- well received shoppers. Going into a store, into an experience, into a brand they probably are familiar with, um, but a chance to really start as a as a gold star member, uh, membership business still in, in China. Costco's um, really bread and butter for their uh, profit picture in the United States. Um, offering uh, a selection of goods at very reasonable prices, and they're hoping to get up to 100,000 members into the store. Now, just, I pulled some wow. numbers. There are about 770 Costco stores globally. They have um, about 41 million Gold Star members around the world. That's about 54,000 members per store. So, Costco's hoping to uh, be double their average within a few years as they sign more and more members up. And clearly, it's a good day and a good start to Costco in China, Mac. A more rabid fan base, the Chinese Costco consumer or the Popeye's chicken sandwich lover? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I'm asking the question. And I, you know, I was gone during the whole Popeye's chicken sandwich craze. Yeah, but, it's but kind that of, was kind of nutty. Is it is it is it nutty in the 
how how nutty on the on the scale of things are we talking? We're not talking Chick Fil A. So we? here's my perspective on things. Now Popeyes is very good. Don't get me wrong. I like the chicken. It's just fine. It's a chicken sandwich. I think this is a little bit more of a uh, demonstration in, in in human behavior than anything else, Mac. <laughs> a cry for help. Uh, yeah, perhaps a cry for help, but just perhaps yeah. People just looking for anything good in their life to make the day a little bit better. Lo and behold, there's a chicken sandwich, and maybe it's something that can hold a candle as a number two seed to Chick Fil A, which I just have a hard time mm-hmm. yeah. believing it'll ever be unseated. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, it, it was. It, I think Popeyes caught lightning in a bottle. Yeah, and they really they pulled a social media campaign of Wendy's proportions. Wow, you know, I mean, it, and anybody knows if you follow Wendy's on Twitter, you just see what Wendy's does on Twitter. Yeah. It's, it's next to genius. It's the best part of Wendy's. It, it, Unfortunately, they have a business to run. Also, <laughs> it is, and I, I feel like this story of the Popeyes chicken sandwich is far better than the chicken sandwich itself. But I, I will say, I've not tried the chicken sandwich. Again, I've had a million of them. I, I just, I don't know. It's a chicken sandwich, I'm sure, but. Well, on a, on a somewhat related note, I, I thought of you, and, and speaking of quiet desperation, <laughs> we passed a lot of Bojangles <laughs> as we're headed yeah. to the Outer Banks. The and, you know, and that's the thing. I've, I've, the only thing I've ever done with Bojangles is drive by it. Yeah. yeah. And, and I know that at some point, I feel like I owe it to you at some point to go in, because I'm not a food snob. I mean, I'll, I'll, no, I'll rock Taco I'm not Bell. either. And we stopped at a Moe's on the way back, and Moe's, it was everything I thought it would be, and I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Um, you know, but I have not done Bojangles yet. I was at the Atlanta airport a few weeks back, and I, normally my go-to is this, there's a Bojangles right there at the gate that I fly in and out of. And um, man, I mean, the line was like 500 yards long at this time. I mean, I, could, I couldn't sit there and wait in the line. I was just impressed to see the Jangler still getting some love. Uh, turning back to Costco, um, thinking about the impact co- this opening might have for Costco, which is kind of interesting. So, uh, they offered the price, the membership price for the Gold Star at 299 yuan, which is about a little more than 40 bucks. That's a discount to what we pay here, I think, in the U.S. for that membership level. So, they may have lowballed the starting price. So, I think we all say that Costco has some pricing power when it comes to their membership. We've just talked anecdotally about how if you're a Costco member, if they raise the price a few bucks here or there every year, I'm still paying it. So, uh, low, maybe maybe they came in with a low ball price to start, so clearly have some potential, just like Disney's going to do with the Disney Plus streaming, start with a low price, be able to increase that uh, up over time fairly quickly. But they may have that may have contributed to a lot of the very um, exciting interest this week. Interesting to note, Mac, the word China is not listed in Costco's 10K. Wow. Hmm. Another interesting note, Mac, and this forever, I've, I've not been a member of Costco. Fact, we are now members of Costco. Nice. I know. Well, we are You're welcome. We have some appliances. We've been shopping to get some new appliances for our house. And so we were looking all over the place. And, and my wife decided to join Costco so that she could see all of the stuff that they had to offer and figured, you know, it's worth the mm-hmm. one year membership to be able to see the selection. And then we'll probably be able to use it at some point anyway. Whether we use it or not, we didn't buy our appliances there. I'm, I'm sorry to say. But, um, you know, maybe, maybe one weekend we can plan a Costco excursion together and you can show me the ropes. I've got a lot of pro tips. One pro tip, go there Saturday, 11 a.m. You don't need, you can skip lunch because that's like the high Uh tide for samples and you can hit the samples. (laughs) And as I've taught my kids, you have to walk away from the sample stand for like at least 10 (laughs) seconds. So you have plausible deniability that you've actually been there. And then you just go right back and have another one. I wonder if they have the $1.50 hot dogs in the the Shanghai store. You've got to believe 
Because you remember when 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 Motley Fool co-founder Tom Gardner interviewed Jim Senegal, the founder of Costco, um, at one of our member events a few years back, and he asked Senegal, he said, "What will it mean if Costco stops selling the dollar fifty hot dog and drink?" And Jim Senegal says. It will mean I'm dead, <laughs> which is one of the greatest lines ever. That so I've got to believe, fantastic. and Jim Senegal is alive and well. So I've got to believe that that yeah. Costco is gonna is gonna do the dollar. Yeah. I mean, the hot dog's universal, right? I mean, yeah, they've got everywhere. to. They've got to. Yeah. So if you have some some boots on the ground research from the Shanghai Costco, please let us know. Guys, let's move on and um, finish with a little Papa John's news. On Tuesday, Papa John's announcing that Rob Lynch will be its new CEO. Lynch was previously president of Arby's. Shares of Papa John's up more than 6% on the news, so investors seem to approve. Yeah. I mean, I, I to me, I look at this and I think this is likely their Brian Nickel moment. I think this is this is the point in time where and Brian Nickel Brian Nickel, the CEO of Chipotle and from if, if you've yeah, Taco from Taco Bell. Bell. And if you. you've seen anything, then you can see Chipotle's uh, I, I think it's the top performer in the S and P this this year so far. But um you know, to me, I, I think that they're easily through the worst. Of the John Schnatter fallout. I mean, the product. If you look at it from just a big picture view, the product never really suffered. I mean, it, it was it was always about the individual. And, and frankly, I think they did an almost magical job of marketing the recovery far beyond the brand and really bringing the actual franchise owners into the mix. So you would see commercials on your TV or on your phone or wherever you were. And now, instead of seeing Papa John, you're seeing the people that are that are owners of your local Papa John's, right? Now you get this feeling that perhaps there's a bit more at play than just some one individual. There are families and local businesses that you know need support, and it makes you feel a little bit better when you're supporting this local business that can uh, tell you a little bit more about their story or whatnot. So I mean, I think they recovered from that quite nicely, and you know, it wasn't all that long ago they brought Shaq. On there as a spokesman, Shaq, I think is going <laughs> to probably work a little magic there. Top it off with a CEO, so they can basically cut ties from the Schnatter era. I mean, I do. I, I think this is just the beginning of of some really good, really good things for Papa John's. And do they have to change the name, or it doesn't matter? No, I don't think so at all. Doesn't matter. Okay, because because speaking of the stock in December 2016, stock traded around eighty nine dollars a share. Today, around half that. It's around forty six dollars. Three dollars. Yeah. Three years from now, it will be right back there. And Starboard Value is the second largest shareholder behind the founder, John Schnatter. They joined first last summer, and clearly they are now starting to really work through the leadership team they want in there. The the president of Starboard Value is the chairman of Papa John, so now starting to put, they own 12% of the stock, so now it's really starting to put the put their... F- Fingerprint on what they want that leadership team to do, and to bring their person in, and they they clearly think they found the right person, and uh, investors uh, believe that as well too, based on the stock price today. Okay, well let's wrap up with the desert island question. You are on a desert island, and you can own one of these stocks, but only one for the next five years. We got Johnson and Johnson, Papa John's, Costco. What are you going with? Uh, I'm going to go with Papa John's. I think it's just uh, looking at what they're trying to turn around there. Um, like I said, I own a, a small position in Johnson & Johnson now, and I love what Costco is doing globally. Uh, but I just think from the value turnaround play, Papa John's might be the winner of those three. Again, it's just among those three. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, pizza is a tremendous market opportunity, and like Jay Leno said, even bad pizza is still pizza. And I'm not saying Papa John's pizza is <laughs> bad pizza. Um, I think it's quite serviceable pizza, and they've done a good job with technology and making it pretty easy to get uh, get it from their store to your house in a quick uh, quick fashion. I just I think there's a lot of upside here for this company, especially with new leadership in place. I love that. Even bad pizza is still pizza. I don't know if I agree with that, <laughs> yeah. man. Bad pizza is bad pizza. Well, even, even, yeah, but it's still pizza. <laughs> you know, I mean, hey, hey, you ain't turning down. Mean you have to eat it. Hey, even even bad market foolery is still <laughs> market, market foolery. foolery. Jason and Andy, thanks for joining me. Thank thanks, you. Mac. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.